2: Well hello everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host Megan Judge. So, I like to start out the episodes with you know some sort of story about me being a mom and like whatever it is. I I like to kind of bring in humor in the beginning because most of my episodes are pretty serious and talking about trauma and, you know, things that people go through in life. But I found lately that I have been, and I like to be honest with you all, and just this like really yucky place, just this place of like, I don't know what it is, what, where, like I was doing so well and, you know, I was happy, I was happy for the most part. I felt like I was, you know, like living my life. i Wasn't I? As I've talked about in the past, I'm on anti-anxiety. I was on anti-anxiety medication, and you know, obviously, had gone through my horrible bout with like the depression a few years ago, and I found myself at my lowest point. And then all of a sudden, like I, I don't know if it's what's going on in the world, or just stuff that is like been in front of my face, and I just began to feel myself really start to like fall again if that makes sense. And I'm going to bring Kim before we share her story but Kim Toleran is my guest today. Hi Kim, how are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm good. I, I'm I'm thrilled to have you on. Um I don't know is is do you think that it's like a weird time in in the universe or in the world? It's kind of hard for me well, to feel I, up yeah, all the time I've
3: always said that um I can listen to I, you know because I do true crime mm-hmm. I can listen to that kind of stuff and it it doesn't get me down but you know the war and the economy and all that I yeah. just sometimes I have to shut it off so yeah I totally get it and you can get um sometimes you almost get suspicious of feeling happy that <laughs> is like I know
2: right and so I so, yeah So I wanted to ask you, I'm like, I know we just met, but it's like, and I know, and Kim's a podcaster too, but it's like, sometimes you just have to be, I I find myself knowing that I have to be in the correct mindset and have like the energy to do this and, and talk to people. And sometimes I find myself just really feeling like blue and it's hard to have the energy to feel like I can talk to somebody and then I usually do this and it really helps me because I know that I'm putting stuff out into the world that maybe will help like one or two people, whoever it is, but I just,
3: it always helps not to be alone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to be transparent and say to my audience, and if you are struggling with depression and all the things that I talk about on these podcasts, there's, there is always help. Um, I found myself and obviously better help as a sponsor for this podcast, but I found myself recently, um, struggling again. And my therapist that I love is writing a book. So I was like, I need, I need to get back into therapy. I have to talk to somebody. And, um, and I did. And, um, and, and so I know that I'm like on the way and it's just, that's what life's all about. It's all about ebbs and flows and valleys and peaks. And I don't ever want to lie to you as the listener to say, oh, here I am. I'm doing great now. And like my life is peachy and I don't have my bad days and my bad months or my bad, whatever. That's what life's about. It's about a series of tests. I believe. And it's what we go through in life and, and that we're, we, we reach out when we need help. So I'm going to start the podcast with that today. I'm also going to thank you. I really appreciate your reviews going to Apple, taking the time to leave me a review is so appreciated. It's so appreciated. Also, I, I was just telling Kim, <laughs> I'm now pushing my episodes to YouTube. So if you want to see me in all my glory with barely any makeup on, um please go subscribe and like. I probably have like 10 subscribers at this point. It's really embarrassing. So, for my own e- so I don't have an ego bruise, just take 2 seconds wherever you are in the world that you listen and just just subscribe to YouTube. And that's it. You don't have to ever have to watch it again, but it'll give your friend
3: Megan a little bit
2: of an ego boost. Uh so here we go. Hi Kim, how are you today? I'm doing good. Really okay. good.
3: Thank you very much for having me. I
2: appreciate it. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. So you are also a podcaster and you are a true crime podcaster and your podcast is called A Million Other Choices, correct? Yep, that's right. How long have you been doing this?
3: I just had my one year anniversary on the first of August. So really only a year. You've been doing it a year. Okay. And, and I know,
2: so being a podcaster, the top category is true crime, correct? So people love a true crime podcast, but I also looked at your bio and everything. And for just being a year into podcasting, you're doing pretty darn good. So you should be pretty proud of yourself.
3: Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been really great. Um I'm located in Canada, so um I've, I've done very well with the Canadian market and I'm just trying to break into the US market a little bit more.
2: Okay, well maybe your listeners in Canada can can help me in Canada with my numbers. I do have Canadian listeners and my US listeners, please listen to Kim's podcast. So, part of the reason I brought Kim on today is because I always like to share stories of um, overcoming the worst things in life and how people get to the other side and they continue to carry on. And something that struck me with Kim was she actually was advertising on my podcast and I saw her bio and I immediately was struck with the, pa- the um, the fact that she lost her niece to, uh, hum- to murder. Correct.
3: That is correct. Yeah. yeah somebody took her life. 2018, yeah. So I always
2: like to, I hate saying like to, I liked, I, I want to share these stories so people understand how people are able to go on and pick themselves up. But I do want to find out your back, your background and bio. So you live in Canada. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, yeah, I w- I've pretty much been born in uh, my city of Calgary, which is about a million and a half people. And I had just a a really normal childhood. Um, My parents did divorce when I was a teenager, but really amicable. No history of any kind of um, violence in the family, no drug abuse, no alcohol, nothing like that. Just really normal childhood. Um, But that did not prevent me from winding up in an abusive marriage, uh, which I then had to leave. And and that was quite traumatizing. for me, which I can talk about a little bit about how I got through that part, but my sister, her oldest child was born in 1994. And she got into an abusive relationship herself having, which was kind of frustrating, because she'd saw what I had gone through. Um, And we had been trying to get her out of this relationship for the four years that she was in it from the time she was about 19 until she was 24 um, and unfortunately it ended in um, the tragedy of her murder as well as his parents which I mean I can tell you the 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 story well let's, um, but that's let's sort of the background yeah you know.
2: let's start with I would like to hear your own story about because I have shared numerous um, stories of women like in bad marriages, whether they're physically or emotionally abused. But I, it also, it's interesting how it can be a cycle, even if you know that like a relative, like son or daughter sees something and then they get themselves into it. I'm always, I always wonder how that happens and how that works. Tell me about your own, your own marriage. Like, did it start out happy? Was he love bombing you? Tell me about a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, I think it started off the way many of them do. I mean, he was charming and everything was really, really great. Mm-hmm. And then it was slowly over time, the um, those veiled insults that are supposed to be little jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and his. it seemed like his mental health started to slide a bit. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it took me many, many years to finally reconcile that it was an abusive marriage because it wasn't physically abusive until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of times we think, well, if he's not beating me, yeah. then I, then I, have, you know, I can't really call it abusive, but it, yeah. but it was because it just tears you down as a person and you feel, um, really next to nothing. And so it. It took a lot for me. I probably stayed another four years past when I really felt that it was time to go. Yeah. And when I left is really when things got bad. Yeah. And that when the manipulation and the, um, well, the custody battle and and that started with a lot of the game playing and it, it was just really a big struggle. But in that situation, I was able to tell myself that this is temporary, there's yeah. a timestamp on this. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like you get halfway through a tunnel, you might as well just keep going to the end. Because if you turn around, you're, you're just gonna have to start all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that helped me get through that process. And <clears throat> sorry, I felt like I felt like that was traumatizing. But then, you know, I I got through it. And when my niece was murdered, I realize that there's some traumas that they don't have that timestamp. Yeah. Um, you, you don't actually get, there's nothing to get through. You just, all you can do is move forward from it. Um, so I, I love kinda, that you
2: say that. I love that you say that because it's true. It's like, there are certain things you go through in life and it's like that, like you, there's almost like steps, right? You're like, yeah. okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick myself up, but something so horrific how do you, it's like you, there's no answers. And you just, I, I've had a guest on pretty recently and they they have a podcast called the good morning, uh, grief podcast. And, um, we talked a lot about, and then I went on theirs and we talk about how grief can happen for the rest of your life. Right, you could yeah be perfectly well, for fine, sure, for sure, yeah, and then you're like, "Oh, that I see a flower in a field, and then it just kind of like spirals you out, and then to lose somebody so horrifically,
3: it that's right even well, harder. one of the yeah the number one thing I hear from talking to other families that have been through a homicide, uh-huh. is they they always say, people don't understand why we grieve the way we do for as long as we do, uh-huh. And I think it's because a lot of people think that, you know, we all we all are going to experience if we haven't already in our life grief. Yes. And you go through your stages of grief um, and you hope that you finally get to the acceptance part. But when it like let's say we're talking about the death of, you know, your grandmother from a long term illness, Mm -hmm. what's different about. That Because every death is a loss. It doesn't matter whether it was expected or not expected or how long the person lived. It's still a loss. Yeah. But what's different about homicide is that when your grandmother dies of a long illness, you don't have to sit and talk to detectives about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get shown pictures of their body mm-hmm. and go through a whole trial process. And, and there's not a physical mortal being that's a hundred percent to blame for it that you feel angry with and it's just a completely different experience and I don't want to ever mitigate grief in general mm-hmm. or anybody's experience of that whether it's a pet or someone that they love um, but there's something particularly traumatizing about having a family member or someone that you love and care about be murdered. Yeah. So do you mind sharing the story about what, what exactly happened to her? Sure. Um, so she had been together with her her boyfriend, Dustin Duthie is his name. And they'd been together for about four years. And we had been long trying to get her to see that he maybe wasn't the right guy for her. Mm-hmm. Um, not because we necessarily directly saw any violence between them, but he... he he was just kind of one of those. I don't know if I can say it on air, but one of those douchebag kind of guys. Yeah, you can you say know? whatever you okay. want. <laughs> okay.
2: Egotistical and just, I don't know. We you just, just got like, like a him. bad vibe off of him. You felt Total like he was like, yeah, him. yeah.
3: Yeah. Even though he came from a decent family, like his family was fine. Um, it was just him. And he, he was also a drug user and he started using meth and he'd been abusing steroids and that kind of thing. And, she would she would break up with him and then she'd kind of come back into the family fold and everything would be good for a while and she'd have all these plans of things that she's going to do and then she would ultimately wind up going back to him and then kind of disappear from mm-hmm. our lives for a little bit because she was an adult and she, at that point she could do what she wanted and she knew that we didn't really want him around and and that. So it was not unusual to not hear from her for sometimes months at a time mm-hmm. when she was with Dustin, but this one particular... Week in the end, so it was the end of July, and my mom had phoned me to ask if I had heard from her because they had been back in regular contact. She said that they were breaking up this time for good, and you know, we were all kind of doing the eye roll thing about it, yeah. And um, I said no, I hadn't heard from her, and and she phoned me back a couple of days later and said that she'd put in a missing persons report for her because I thought. I thought she was being ridiculous. I thought, you know, she's going to be so embarrassed when they find her, and she just didn't want us to know that she was back with Dustin. And on the 31st of August, which was 2018, um, Dustin actually called 911 on his own and said that he had killed his parents actually that morning, (laughs) and that he had killed Taylor uh, about four or five days before that. And the problem was, we as a family, we didn't know any of this. We just knew that the police had come and told my mom that, okay, we found Taylor, she's deceased. And we have Dustin in custody. And so for almost a year, we didn't, we didn't know any other details. We couldn't, couldn't know because there was an active investigation on. So we didn't know about the 911 call. We didn't know what had happened. So, of course, my, well, particularly my sister and I had imagined in our heads this horrific event where she'd been beaten maybe and was laying, dying in her apartment. Like it was yeah. just, it was awful. So we couldn't find out anything until the actual um, things were going to trial. And we discovered that they, like he had been saying he was going to go into rehab for, cause he had a meth addiction and I guess he had no plans on ever doing that. So on the 26th of July, it was sort of early in the morning, him and Taylor had come to her apartment and had gotten into bed to go to sleep. And for reasons that we'll never understand, Dustin hopefully while Taylor was sleeping took a hunting knife and slit her throat oh, God. and then he just calmly left the apartment like he's seen on surveillance footage just calmly leaving the apartment he went back to his parents place where he was staying in their basement he was i think he was 25 at the time mm-hmm. and he just stayed there for about five days And we don't know whether... We think that his mom, her name's Sean Boschuk, Mm. that she had started to question him about where was Taylor and why my mom and my sister and everybody were looking for her. And um, he attacked her, stabbed her eight times. And while he was trying to clean up the mess from that... His dad, um, Alan uh, Penny Legion, came down the stairs with the family dog named Odie, and saw what he was—what he was, either what he was doing currently or what he was trying to clean up having done—and he actually, they fought, and um, he chased him and stabbed his dad six times. Oh my God! And the dog. Um, and unfortunately, they were all killed. He then sta- or tried to slash the throat of Taylor's. She had a pit bull uh, named uh, Polaris, but pit bulls have that really strong neck muscle, <laughs> so he wasn't able to accomplish that. So he locked her in his mom's car in the garage, and then he just calmly got into his dad's car and drove down back down to Taylor's apartment where he bought at a liquor story, bought a bottle of whiskey. And then he just sat outside her apartment and called nine one one. Wow. And so that's what the events of what actually happened. Um, and of course, learning all that was I, I'd say horrific. <laughs> horrific. Yeah. Rather traumatizing. And I did attend um, the court. Um, so I, I did see the, you know, I had to see the crime scene photos and the autopsy photos and, and, uh, Well, let me ask you
2: really quickly. Did he, so obviously he was on meth. So that's obviously did something to his brain. I'm assuming, um, which they say, obviously that, that, but just to like have no feeling it sounds like, and you caught him on camera and just like walking and like knowing for days, like I, I can't even imagine what that was like when you found out and her mom found out, especially just being a parent myself.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Our family has kind of taken the, the take of when it comes to homicide, Yeah, things, things could always be worse. And we think, okay, well, you know, she would have died very quickly. So, um, there wasn't like a prolonged period of her being afraid or in, in a lot of pain. We, we found her cause I know that there's a lot of families that never find um, their person mm-hmm. and who did it. So it wasn't, you know, so we we're just, I guess we're just that kind of family that just thinks, okay, this is, this is what this is and this is terrible. But I guess in the, in the scheme of things, things could be worse, um, so that's how we kind of got through the fact of how, in particular, she died. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just something that just lingers. It's just the uh, it's he, he, he's stolen from us yeah. the future, right? Yeah. Of, who she was going to become and what she was going to do in her life and whether she was going to have children of her own and, and that kind of thing. And I think that that's the part that you get angry about is is it feels like such a violation of just your your personal sense of safety. And because this doesn't, you know, this before this, it was, I've always been interested in true crime, but it was always something that kind of happened on TV. yeah. And in the movies. And then after this, I've I've come to the realization, and that's why I started the podcast, that these are real families and they're real people. And and these things really do happen.
2: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp online therapy will assess your needs and you can be matched with your own professional therapist in less than 48 hours. You know, I'm gonna tell you. And I openly talk about this on the podcast that I went through hell and back a few years ago, and I was at my lowest point of my life. And my therapist, I believe, contribute to helping save me. So I'm a huge advocate of therapy. The best thing about BetterHelp is it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available available to people worldwide, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. And they have a special offer for my listeners. Get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com judgingmegan judging Megan. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com judgingmegan judging Megan. Let me ask you a question. So, what happened to him? Did he get out? Is or not get out, but he he got arrested? Is he still alive? Is he in jail? What's his story?
3: Yeah, so he actually just on the eve of the trial, he decided to plead guilty. And here in Canada, um, well, second degree murder and first degree murder both come with an automatic life sentence, but. With first-degree murder, you there's a minimum waiting period of 25 years before you can apply for parole and a minimum of 10 years for second-degree murder. And he was charged with two counts of second-degree murder. That's for Taylor and his mom, Sean, and then one count of first-degree for his dad. Um, and they believe that's just because he was a witness to a crime, and that automatically makes it first-degree, wow. even though it, there wasn't necessarily any planning involved so he received in the end, he got three concurrent life sentences to be served, you know, sort of at the same time, uh, and 35 years of parole ineligibility. So he will be 62 when he can apply for parole, not necessarily get it, but apply for it. Um, however, in May here in Canada, we just had a Supreme Court decision that um, made the consecutive ineligibility periods considered um, unconstitutional. So so he'll probably likely be able to apply after 25 years. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Did you
2: ever get a reason? Did you ever get a sorry? Did you ever get anything from him?
3: No, not really. At the sentencing hearing where we read our in our victim impact statements. He, he was given an opportunity to um, address all of us, including his brothers. He had uh, remaining siblings and he, I mean, he, he said he was sorry. And he said, if he could take it back, he, he,
2: Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like, I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed.
0: He would. Um
3: and but it just didn't come across as particularly like I think he was more sorry that it ended for him the way it did. Yeah.
2: He sounds yeah. like he's a very um sick individual. <laughs>
3: Like to yeah, he he really is, and he. So before he went into like before he phoned nine one one, he actually shaved his head, and we noticed when we went to the preliminary hearing that he had uh, one of those teardrop tattoos under his eye. So I don't know if he's just trying to, like he's in I a guess gang or something. He's there for life. He might as well try and join a join a group. I don't know. Well, yeah. I I am so I mean
2: what do you say in this kind of circumstance? You say you're sorry. Um, You say all the things that you like, this is horrid and it's horrible. Um, I I had a guest on who's actually a friend of mine when I first started. So I started this podcast in 2020 in the throes of COVID, (laughs) like when COVID first started. And this was a girl that I met at a spiritual retreat and her thought her mother remarried this man, her stepfather, and he showed up at her house um, on Christmas Eve, dressed up as Santa Claus. And he shot and killed her whole family and the whole house blew up. She had, she rescued um, her little sister and she jumped out a window and it's a whole horrific story. And I know this person personally, she's my friend. Um, And I've often, I think of her often, like I know her personally, but sometimes I pick her brain and I'm like, well, how do you go on? How do you have a, how do you continue to have a life of not first of all, being completely traumatized and living in fear? Right. But also like, how do you do it? And that's one of the biggest reasons I do what I do. And I do this podcast is the how. And we talked about it in the beginning the how is different than getting up after the loss of like you know I lost my dad to cancer you know so it was a sickness like you said but I yeah. want to know like the steps for you I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and how your family did it sure. and and what well, and weren't like were were you angry like talk about those things because I would love to know that.
3: Yeah, well initially when I first um found out about it I think I was just in incomplete uh, probably a bit of denial but I just went into that that logical mode of okay we need to you know we need to do these things now we need to you know prepare for a funeral I, I like I really wasn't even thinking about um what had happened mm-hmm. um and then you know when you have those first get togethers with the family and she's not there Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, um, well, it was quite an awful, awful dark time. Um, one of the things that we've, we've all done in our family is focused on who Taylor was as a person. Yeah. And to know that Taylor was never the type, and and I think this goes for anybody that you lose they're never the type of person that would say to you, "I want you to be sad every day. I never want to see you smile again. You know, you need to just live in complete yeah. misery for the rest of your life." Taylor was not that type of person, and if anything, she would say, "Look, it's it is what it is. Um, you know, the end of my my suffering has come, and you guys have to to consider that, and then find." light in in those moments and that that memory and and all that stuff and then that's really how you honor the person that you've lost because just constantly feeling in a in a state of of misery and why you know that why did this happen Mm -hmm. and why did this happen to our family and why did it happen to her I think just can get you really stuck because you're never going to get that answer even if I sat down with Dustin and he was able to spell it all out and say this is exactly what I was thinking it's not going to answer the why for me because I don't think the way he does so for me it's just still not just always going to be an unimaginable thing that happened so what
2: was she she like as a person
3: well she was (laughs) she was super forgiving, which is part of the problem. And she was always wanting to help. Um, she, she was just a super, super kind person. And, and th- this one's really tough when people say, what was she like? Because, you know, oh, she had a smile that lit up, a you know, all mm. the things that people always say, but how do you really put into words that piece of the puzzle in your family that's now missing? And what role she filled? She was, when she was 12, she volunteered on her own to help at a senior's home. She would cry when she saw adorable puppies and kittens. She loved babies. I mean, she was just a super, super caring person um, and, you know, funny and quite quirky. And you know, she just liked it. She was always a good time. She had a very infectious giggle. Um, and she wore her, she always wore her blonde hair and like a little poof on top of her head, you know, one of those kind of messy buns. Yeah. Um, whenever I see that, I always, I always think of, of Taylor and the color pink because she, everything she had was girly and pink. And um, so, yeah, it we've really lost, um, you know, a lot. We've, it's very, it, she was really special to the family. She, um and it sounds yeah. like your family is very, very close. We are. And yes. I think that this actually has brought us closer, I think, because you realize how quickly you can lose yeah. um, someone. And, yeah, my mom was particularly close with Taylor. She was the firstborn grandchild. So um, they had a, a really close bond. And, of course, my sister went through a period of being a, a complete mess. She has her own history with um drug and alcohol abuse. And so staying sober during this was was a priority for her and she's managed to do it. Um, And she's actually managed to be forgiving. And she's forgiven Dustin. um, Which takes so
2: much. I don't know. I have my own issues with forgiveness. It's like one of the things that I I, ju- I just started back in therapy and I was like, I'm so angry. I can't, I can't forgive. It's like one of the things that I wish I could just do. So to have the strength and the ability to forgive, especially in a situation like that, takes such an enormous amount of courage and strength that people can do that. I don't understand it. I wish yeah, there was like I, a manual I, on how people do it,
3: you know? Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I didn't understand it at first either. Cause I think I was very angry. I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't get the why. And I just, you know, I wanted him to suffer. Yeah. Um. And, and how I wanted him to suffer was to, to wake up every day thinking about what he had done mm-hmm. and the loss that he had created and going to bed every night thinking that, um, but what happens with criminals <laughs> is you do, you probably don't get that. They probably just don't see it the same way. They might suffer for themselves, mm-hmm. but they're not suffering for that. But my sister explained to me that she, with her own background of of drug and alcohol addiction, how substances can change your thinking. And so 100%. Think she, she was able to sort of put herself into Dustin's place a bit and see that okay you know if not for that he probably would have just been just been a regular douchebag <laughs> instead yeah. of like a um, a murdering one and and that was able she was then able to kind of and and plus she knew that well taylor was she, she was giving him chance after chance after chance so she probably has forgiven him herself so we kind of need to do the same. I wasn't quite as surprised by my mom because she has a she's more religious, mm-hmm. um, so I think that that was a little bit more easy for her to forgive. But it was it was more challenging for me learning that from my sister, and kind of coming to that understanding that I I am never going to know why, um, and that Taylor would Taylor would think that you got to forgive because and it's probably a bit of a cliche. You don't do it for that person. Um, you do, you have to do it for yourself because to just hang on to it. Some, I don't know who it was, but somebody once said that um, anger and hatred is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: that's kind of how I, I looked at it as I thought, well, why should I suffer? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Uh, So you know, you slowly start to let go.
2: Yeah, it's true. And and also, you know, when you talk about the why, the whys are you know out of anger and and um, and all of this stuff is it comes from your heart, right? So the anger is like, and the whys come from a Good from an innocent, good place in us. That's what I think, especially if you are a person that is spiritual or whatever it is, the why is the hardest part. I mean, I'll live the rest of my life wondering why on many things that have happened in my own life. And it does, it brings me to a place of anger. It brings me to a place of feeling robbed and sad and all the things that it does. But I love what you just said, because it is so true. Y- by f- forgiving him, you're freeing yourself easier said than done, right? You're free. You can yeah. say all day, though, like, I forgive you. But I'm not being honest with my own battles. If I say I forgive you, but in the back of my mind, I really despise Hate that you. person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: So it's yeah. Well, and yeah, I, yeah and ahead. I think I've come to a point where I don't wish any ill on Dustin. Mm-hmm. Um, but if something were to happen to him in prison, I You've am I going to lose sleep it over it that? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not going to feel like I somehow caused it. Um, I think what it what it comes down to for me is that did I deserve this to happen? No, I didn't do anything to, to deserve it. But did I do anything to not have it? Be deserved. Like it's just, it is what it is. Uh huh. Um, it, it didn't happen to me because I deserved it and it didn't happen because I didn't deserve it. It's just, it is what it is. And many families go through it. It's unfortunate. Um, let, obviously, let
2: me ask you about time, that. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you about leaning on other families of homicide because it is an important point. I, I, you know, you don't, you see these stories on TV right? You watch Dateline, you listen to true crime podcasts, but you, it's yeah. true. You just are like that, that I can't believe that happened. That doesn't seem real. That's off of TV. But then there are so many people that it really does affect in the world, sadly.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and, and to go back to a point you brought up a few minutes ago about the drugs. Well, yeah, the drugs, especially math, or I've been doing a lot of, um, Podcast recently because I brought on somebody who lost her son to a fentanyl, um, which is a crisis in the United States right now. I don't know how it is in Canada here too. Okay, and just a lot of information that I'm starting to learn about, like how marijuana is a gateway drug for young boys and what it does to their brains and. Um, and like, I'm sure, you know, like your brain isn't fully developed until you're 20. It was 25, but now the newest research is 27 years of age. So they're the drugs and then meth. I mean, meth, you lose your teeth. I mean, what it must do to your brain. I, I, who knows? So it is a point that I like that you kind of think about it that way or whoever it was, whether it be your sister that was like, this happened because of this this and this this is how i'm going to get through it these are my own things that i'm going to do to get myself through this and yeah. and then and then like the why and the forgiveness piece that we talked about what do, you, do what do you say to somebody like say somebody's listening and they've gone through some kind of horrific loss whether it be like a loss of somebody to homicide like you went through there must be support groups and people that you can reach out to. Can you talk about that?
3: There are, I know that each, um, at least major cities, each major city will have a victim, some kind of victim services that is specifically for, um, victims of homicide. Mm -hmm. And I know that my sister did reach out to, um, them. It's through our Calgary homicide, um, division here. They have some victim services with, with particular counseling, um, I myself didn't reach out to that. I had my, I I kind of developed a, an unusual struggle with the whole thing shortly after it happened, and that was like I've always been interested in this true crime. It's it's just something that I've always been interested. In. So I listened to podcasts and I I did all that. And when this happened to Taylor, I I really struggled between the the grief I was feeling for the loss of somebody, and then this this morbid curiosity yeah. that we all, a lot of us have for um, true crime, and somebody who's particularly into true crime, we're we are quite fascinated by the details. Um, and I think that's why it bothered me so much not knowing is is just not having those pieces to put together. And so I actually did seek out a therapist for that because I was just really really wondering, like, am I grieving properly here? Like, Mm -hmm. is it, you know, is it okay to um, be sad? And then on the other hand, wonder, you know, I wonder if this happened or that happened. And she said, well, what, you know, what did, what would Taylor think? And I, I said, well, she'd probably think it was funny. Like she she would think it was funny that I was dealing with that because she'd be okay with it. Um, And then that helped me a lot to, to move forward. And to then, um and that's kind of why i started the podcast was to hear victims like hear the stories but understand going in that it's not just the victim there are mm-hmm. these huge ripple effects that that happen with true crime and what it's like for the family what and not not just what it's like for the family say at the what we consider the conclusion of a case which is the sentencing hearing but you know there's there's so much that happens after that, um, that I I guess I kind of have a unique perspective on now that I I see that okay well there's a sentencing and they go to prison, but then you know they get moved for this reason or they you know yeah you, it's just more to it and um, Did,
2: I wonder not to interrupt you but do you feel like um, sometimes people find. They want to they're interested in the true crime and all of the you know, all of that kind of genre because they are they question their own mortality. I always wonder that, you know, and what? yeah,
3: well, I've I've tried to dig into the reasons for. Why some of us are so interested in true crime, yeah, um, and there's a number of theories about it that, you know, we yeah, we're, we're it's a way of prevention and and all that stuff. it's it really just comes to down to, and i I just think I'm one of the few that's just brutally honest about it. Mm-hmm. It's just a strange, morbid curiosity. Um, for the details and and I get that Mm -hmm. and that is why on my podcast of course I'll tell this tell the story of what happened to somebody because I know that that's what's brought somebody in Mm -hmm. but then I'll try and talk about well maybe some of the issues the social issues behind why it happened or you know what's what's happened since then um I've just lost my train of thought. No,
2: that's okay. I just, I, I was, I was curious too how, you know, like you talk about your sister being spiritual and, and I always ask my guests, especially guests that I've come on that have had some sort of loss if they're spiritual or if they believe in signs. So I was wondering if you believe in signs and if you're spiritual and spirituality can mean all different kinds of things for every person, but I I was wondering if you had a sign for Taylor or you knew like, Oh, Taylor, you're, I'm doing this. I'm on the right path or whatever it is. I'm curious about that.
3: Yeah, I I don't know that I've specified like any particular thing. Like my mom says she'll sometimes when she's going to sleep, she just kind of sees the color pink, kind of like a, a haze of pink. And that's how she knows Taylor's there. I haven't had that experience. But I've had experiences where I don't know how to describe it if it's like a moment of clarity, or just, you know, a sensation that something's okay or that taylor's here she approves or you know that kind of thing so yeah I, I definitely i have to believe that there's something more to to death than you just close your eyes and you never exist anymore uh, i definitely believe do, you, in, do you
2: believe you're gonna see her again or do you not? I, I, yeah, other- I,
3: I believe I'm going to experience her energy again. Yeah, if that makes sense. because yeah. I'm a believer, and we all have energy, and when we die, that energy has to go somewhere, and it just kind of goes into the the universe in different whatever a different way. So, no, I, I definitely believe that, and I think that that's that's helpful. And I you don't have to you don't have to assign it as like a god or or anything like that. You you can just know that yeah that energy's out there yeah (laughs) and it's yeah it's maybe not in the same form you're used to and maybe you don't get all of it in the same package that it used to come in but it's it's still there I mean Taylor just had she was she she has to have left some kind of legacy behind so
2: how old Um, was she when she passed you said she was
3: 25 no she was 24 Dustin was 25 yeah and uh, we did, we have a tree. There's a memorial park that the funeral home that she was cremated at does that we have, they plant trees in memorial. So I we did them. that. And my sister started um, a memorial fund. It's, it's kind of like a scholarship fund. So when people donate to it, um, that money. Continues to grow in the account, and then every year we de- we decide we kind of come to a group decision and decide what charity we want to um, support. That particular, so you're year. doing oh.
2: something in her honor,
3: which is amazing. Yes, and, yeah, and for and, sure. And just oh. like
2: sharing her story, you know, share like getting out there and doing what you're doing and doing the podcast, you know, like all this stuff that we do. Um, I say this a lot, like you know. I never, I don't, this is kind of funny. I never even like really knew what a podcast was. I knew like what podcasts were, but I always thought they were like really smart people like on NPR. And then one day I was taught, like I was, I talk about this a lot. I was with my therapist at the time, Dr. Nay, who I love. And she, I was an actress and theatrical and did all this stuff as a kid up until my 20s. And I I was missing that piece of me. And then I started this podcast because she was like, well, you want to write a book? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And it turned into just being like, I'm going to start a podcast. And in a weird way, I really believe all of the crap, like the crap show that I had to go through to get to where I am today, which I talked about in the beginning, I'm still struggling, but I'm doing it. I'm yeah. still here. You're still okay. here. We're doing it. Is um in we're in a weird way, it's my angels. I believe like the people that have passed, like they're happy. Taylor's up there, yeah. you
3: know, she's she's, oh, she's thrilled. She listens to every episode. I yeah, I'm
2: sure she's listening to every episode. Like that's the thing that people know in the back of their minds, we're just devastated. We're never gonna see them yeah. again. We're never gonna have our holidays. We're never gonna, we were robbed. We're always going to wonder the why's, but it's like what you do with your why, which is what you're doing. You have a why now and your why is, is to live in her and, and, and celebrate her with something that you are like, are you enjoy talking about and there's nothing wrong with that. And I love that.
3: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what I needed to come to is that Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And when I started it, I figured, well, I'm just going to tell stories that interest me to a couple of people, maybe someone will listen. Um, it did explode a little bit more than I, I expected. And of course, when I did tell Taylor's story, um, that kind of really exploded things for me because, um, I I think people were really interested in that, in that personal connection in, you know, what had happened. I don't know. It was just something about knowing somebody that it, that it, it happened to. And I feel like I've met some amazing people that have done amazing things. I'm hoping to, I'm kind of trying to learn as I go. Now I'm learning about, you know, what steps to take to try to get people out of abusive situations or, or teaching young girls and boys how to break up with someone safely, Mm -hmm. um, to prevent, you know, so, so, I mean, on one hand, you can look at it and say, Oh, you're just exploiting <laughs> these cases and the-. but i I don't feel that that's true. I think that i but I am really trying to to help and and telling I know how telling Taylor's story was therapeutic to to just get it get it out there and just tell people what happened
2: a hundred percent and I think that there's there's always you said in the beginning, and I talk about it a lot if death has not hit your doorstep yet it's going to it's inevitable it's going to affect all of us in life and it's how that it, it, you could lose somebody in all different kinds of ways but it's how you live your life in their memory and it could be all different kinds of things you know and just to be able to be like well i'm doing this and i'm sharing your story and i'm not going to forget you so to be honest with you kim i don't i don't think that it's morbid. I I think that it's something like you were put on this earth to do. We're all here for different reasons and we're here for such a short time, you know? So I, and I love too, that you're do you're doing something to help young girls. I think getting the word out on Taylor and there's so many girls that are in abusive relationships and find themselves not Knowing how to get themselves out, I personally have very close friends that have been affected by it. Um and I think the more people that talk about it, and the safer the laws are for victims of abuse. I know we're in different countries, but there's a lot of work to be done in the in the u s as far as protecting women and and in abusive relationships. I think it's all stuff you're supposed to be doing. So I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, yeah, it's just, it's really been kind of life changing. Yeah. Really. just to, And I, I, you know, I'm always sort of afraid to reach out to, to family members. Um, But all I've ever gotten back was, you know, thank you so much for telling your story. And, you know, if you need anything, let me know and I'll be happy to help. So.
2: And it'll probably, the more you reach out to people that have been gone through something similar to you, the more it helps you or it could help them. So that's all what it's all about. Kim, I wanted to find out. So my listeners can follow you on your website is a million other choices.com. Mm-hmm. They can find your podcast. How, where are you?
3: Oh, I'm on uh, Apple, Spotify, all the regular platforms. Okay. Um, um, and it is listed as a million other choices. You'll see, uh, uh, the artwork is just a creepy little window in an old abandoned building. So that's how you'll find me. Uh I'm on Instagram. What is your uh, Instagram? Uh it's still it's it's a million other choices. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. perfect. Well, Kim, I am honored to meet you. I know Taylor's shining down it's proud of you, proud of her aunt. And I'm grateful to have you come on. Thank you to all my listeners. I'm I'm sorry. Like today's episode was didn't start in the cheeriest of ways, and this is a hard story to talk about. But like I said, it could affect one person or a friend of a friend. And look at what just talking to each other and hearing these stories might be able to help one person. Then that's a, what it's all about. So in closing, be happy by making other people happy.
3: Thanks, Kim.